Very nice. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us this morning over in Stevens Point and the Fox Valley, as well as all the people who still are at home watching online. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Yes, good to have you with us this morning. Good morning to all of you here, as well as those at our campuses and all those who are watching at home online. If you are watching at home online, you need not adjust your screen. Yes, I look like an Easter egg. <laughs> Before we go any further, we want to pause to take our offering now, because of current circumstances, we aren't passing buckets around. Uh, on the way out of your campus doors this morning, there'll be people with buckets if you'd like to put in some cash or checks. At that time, many of you give online, recurrent giving. Uh, or a lot of people give via their phones, which I will do this morning. The way you do it is you go to your messaging thing. Here's your chance, young people, to message your friends, and everybody will think you're giving money. Uh, <laughs> So it's uh, seven, whoops, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> seven, seven, nine, seven, seven. That's the address, you're, the number you're going to send a message to. In a message, you put in CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin, space, and then the dollar amount of the offering you'd like to give this Easter Sunday morning. And then you hit send. Uh, if you do it for the very first time, it'll send you a place where you have to set it up. But once you've done that, then it's all automatic. You don't have to do anything else. So anyway, 77977, the message is CCWI space, and then the dollar amount, and then it's automatically uh, where you can give. Not very many people carry cash anymore like we used to back in the day. A lot of people don't even carry checkbooks anymore. So this is our way of a being able to give. And I want to thank all of you for continuing to support the church. Uh, we have had an amazing year. While many churches were financially devastated through uh, the pandemic, ours actually, our finances increased. And uh, it's been healthier than it's ever been. So uh, thank you for that. Many of you know, uh, very quickly here, uh, our good friends, uh, John and Sue Mako. Uh, John is a state representative here in the state of Wisconsin good friend of ours and, uh, and of Celebration Church. They, uh, Sue had breast cancer, uh, much as my Debbie did. In fact, they both did at the same time. Deb passed away three, four years ago. Uh, Sue passed away uh, yesterday at, I think, 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, if you can uh, keep the family in their purse, it's a strange time. On the one hand, uh, it's not like a death where there's a car accident or a heart attack where it's this sudden thing. Uh, it's something that's been that drags on for a very long time. You have no idea. Uh, and then when the final breaths are taking, there's a sense of relief and sadness and sadness and relief. And then it jumps back and forth and it can be quite, 
quite the roller coaster, so your prayers for them uh, would be appreciated. I went and prayed for her last week, our, our Protestant version of the last rites, if you will, and uh, had a great time. And I told her, you know, uh, when you see Debbie, say hi, because they're both up there causing all kinds of trouble this morning. And, uh, and said, just hang on, we'll be right behind you. You know, I don't know what kind of sense of time they have there, but I don't think it's like it is here. And we'll all be popping along as, uh, as we go, slipping into, the, into eternity. But uh, it's sad when somebody passes. But on the other hand, there's great joy knowing that they're with Christ, right? We celebrate this wonderful resurrection today. Well, speaking of the resurrection, let's uh, look at uh, this morning Luke, Luke's gospel, chapter 24, starting at verse 1. It reads, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Now, let me speak about that just for a minute. Uh, you know, we talk about Jesus being dead in the grave for three days. Uh, if you look at the math, he actually was only in the grave for about a day and a half, not even. You say, well, well, how do you figure that out? Well, they didn't look at days like we do. We're more scientifically driven. We think of a day as a 24-hour period, right? Uh, that's not how they looked at it in, in Bible times. Jesus died late Friday afternoon, and that was considered the first day. Then as soon as the sun goes down, now unlike us, we tend to think of the, when the sun comes up is the next day. Biblically speaking, it says when the sun goes down, the next day begins. That's why those who are very observant of Sabbath, uh, particularly the Jews, Celebrate as soon as the sun goes down on Friday. That's when the Sabbath starts, until the sun goes down on Saturday. In fact, it was one of the reasons they were in a hurry to get Jesus off the cross, because the Sabbath was coming. It was getting late in the day. Soon the sun would set, and they were so strict they couldn't do anything. Uh, so they quick pulled him down. And typically they would have, you know, they would prepare the body and all this kind of stuff. They didn't have time. They basically just wrapped him in cloth and laid him in this tomb and rolled this, and everybody skedaddled because they had to get home before the sun went down. So the sun goes down. That is now Saturday, the second day. And then very early in the morning, in fact, as soon as the sun went down on Saturday, started Sunday, which is now the third day. So on the third day, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared. Why? They didn't have a chance to do it before he died. So they got everything ready. Uh, and they took off to the tomb so they could, you know, finish preparing his body for burial. Uh, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, which was a little shocking to them. Uh, but when they entered, even more shockingly, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, this at first is very terrifying to them. Uh, as we read in other accounts that, you know, what happened? Did they, somebody steal his body? You know, this is, what, what's going on? Uh, it says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in cloths, clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them and in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground I'm sure it was rather shocking but the men said to him why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here and those great words he has risen remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee and when you look back at the gospels you see that Jesus told them repeatedly we're going to Jerusalem they're going to arrest me they're going to kill me, and I will raise on the third day. But they had no idea what he was talking about. 
because for the most part, they never quite understood what he was saying. They just did. They couldn't track with him. The Lord found it extremely frustrating. But these people had no clue, and they just got used to not understanding what he said. Even when he was very clear, they probably figured it meant something else. It was just all... So it wasn't... Remember how he told you? And then all of a sudden, they all started going, oh, oh, yeah. You know, and everything started coming together, and disciples and stuff like that started figuring this stuff out. So then what happens now is the good news, which is... What the gospel, the word gospel means good news, uh, is now preached everywhere. And thousands upon thousands of Jews became Christians. Now, these were people that undoubtedly had already heard about Jesus and the miracles he was doing. Everybody, anywhere in that area, which we're going to see in just a minute, everybody knew what was going on. Uh, Israel, if you've ever been to Israel, it's not that big of a country, it's really a rather tiny slice of land. In fact, you can be on the mountains on the east side and look and, and see, the, see the ocean on the other. You can walk across Jerusalem uh, in not all that long a time. Uh, it's kind of elongated. Uh, the traditional Jewish land was, was more stretched out, but even then it was rather tiny. Uh, uh, Israel today is just a part of it. They don't even have all of it. They just have a part of it. Uh, I was in Israel a few years ago, and they're very big on explaining because, you know, most of the world hates them. You understand this, right? Uh, most of the world hates them and thinks it's terrible and uh, the Palestinian plight and all this kind of stuff. Uh, if you look back in history, and they, re re they, they always repeat this, if you get a chance to look at any of their history, is that what happened was the United Nations after World War II decided to give them a piece of land there, so they, a place they could call their home. This was their ancestral home. I mean, hard to argue with that. All the records of the scriptures and stuff. So uh, they worked together with the Arabs, and they decided to give them a little splotch of land. And, uh, and they show you the pictures of it. It's, it's, it was nothing but sand. <laughs> it, they, give the, they gave them the worst part of land there that nobody wanted. And they said, well, let them have it. You know, it's kind of like giving up, you know, crivets. No, 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 I love crivets. Anyway, so, they, you know, here, take it. What do we care? So, um, and then they start prospering. And uh, according to prophecies from the Old Testament, there would be a time when they'd come back and it, they, the desert would bloom. No one knew what they were talking about, but all of a sudden, in the prophecies, but now this is happening. And they said, if you ever go to Tel Aviv, it is a bustling, incredible city surrounded by such beauty. But when they first got there, it was nothing but sand. There was nothing there. It's stunning. And they take quite a bit of pride going from that to where they were. Well, of course, they start prospering. And then what happens? People start envying what they have. There's something crazy about people. As soon as other people start having something they don't have, suddenly they want it. And they get very envious and critical and stuff. Even happens to this very day. You want to see people fight? Just throw money in the middle and see what happens. Uh, this happens all the time when, you know, people discover money or something like that. It, it just goes crazy. We've seen it so many times. Anyway, so the Arabs now are mad because they're doing so well. So then they attack them. And there's this big uh, war that happens in the Middle East. And uh, this is when the Jews start fighting back. And then that's when they took Jerusalem and stuff like that. So, and ever since then, they've been complaining that the Jews are occupiers. Well, they're occupiers because they got attacked. Okay? Yeah, they cried too. And, uh, 
and and it, it, so they fought this stuff back, you know. And and they were always bugging him and attacking them. They're still doing it to this day. And uh, you know, it would be like if the UP was constantly attacking Wisconsin. At some point, we go and we take it over because <laughs> we're not going to put up with that, you know. And then you take it over, and they start whining. Why'd you take over our land? Because you were bombing the snot out of us. You know, that's, that's the history of it. And to this day, they're under pressure. From, so even still to this day, they only have a part of all of it. It goes up to Jerusalem, but everything else, uh, they're trying to negotiate. They've been fighting about this. Anybody sitting here does pay attention to the news knows they've been fighting over this for since 1948 or whatever it is. Anyway, all that. So it's not that big of a landmass, even in its original size, not that big. Everybody knew. Can you imagine Jesus going around healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all? There's no way you keep this a secret. Everybody knows that. And uh, those of you at the other camps didn't hear, but Becky this morning was talking about uh, how people had heard this and wondered, you know, is this the Messiah? They were, and you see that in the scriptures. They often, this, surely this must be the Messiah, but they didn't know. Well, he gets arrested, crucified, and then all of a sudden he is raised on that third day and many people saw him uh, and then the word spread like crazy and the Holy Spirit is now poured into the world. The presence of God is touching people's hearts and Christianity takes off like a match to very dry wood. I mean, it just, woof. Now, when it first takes off, they're all Jewish people. All Christians in the beginning were considered were Jews. They didn't believe you could be a Christian unless you were Jewish first, which we're going to see in just a minute. So this takes off like crazy. Christianity in the beginning was considered a Jewish sect. In other words, you had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, and you have the Christians. All right? Uh, because they're all still, they were all still Jews, but they all had their little niches and stuff like that. So Christianity is taken off in, in a wild way. But now, what happens? What happens? What about the rest of the world? People like us, who are considered Gentiles, how do we get in on this thing? So we're going to pick up the story now in Acts. So you got the four Gospels in the New Testament, then the book of Acts, which is called Acts of the Apostles, the things they did after Jesus was raised, and then all the epistles at the end. So we're going to jump in at Acts, the 10th chapter. And it says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Now, we don't really quite understand what his status is. Uh, the Jews all thought he was a great guy. Uh, no record here. Highly unlikely he became a converted Jew and was circumcised and all that sort of thing. He's an Italian in the Roman uh, army. And, uh, but he respected God, and he would pray to this God that they talked about, this, this creator of the universe, and then did very good things and would help the poor. And he was a very devout man. Again, we're not sure what his status is in faith, but we know that he prayed to God and was very devout. It says he gave generously to those who were in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he has a vision. He distinctly sees an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him with fear. I pointed this many times. People always say, it would be so cool to see an angel. Apparently not. Because everyone who sees it is terrified. You can imagine, and what is this? So he, like everybody else who sees an angel, completely freaks out. And he says, what is it, Lord? And the angel answered him, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now this is what I want you to do. 
I want you to send men to the city of Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So he gives them the directions, they plug it into their GPS, and off they go to find this guy. Now, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier. So he's a pretty well-off-to-do guy, you know. A lot of us would like to have a part-time cleaning lady, right? <laughs> this guy's got at least two of probably many servants that surround him. And one of the soldiers who was uh, appointed as his attendant. So these, two, these three guys sends them, tells them everything that had happened, and then sends them to Joppa. Now about noon the following day, as they're on their journey coming down to Joppa and approaching the city, Peter was up on top of the roof to pray. And he became hungry and asked, you know, he wanted something to eat and asked somebody to make him a sandwich. And so while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. This is the vision he's having, rather strange. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, you have to understand the context here. These are devout, Peter's a very devout Jewish man. Uh, you, they were told in the law of Moses not to eat creepy crawly critters and stuff like that. They were very strict about what they could and they could not eat, extremely strict. So all of a sudden, all these creepy crawly, you know, birds and reptiles and all these kind of things, and, you know, up here we'll shoot anything and eat it. <laughs> but they wouldn't do that. They were very, very strict. And uh, this voice says, Peter, get up, kill and eat. And, and Peter's recalled by this. He says, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Stop and think about that. These guys were really strict in his entire life. He had never broken the Mosaic laws of eating, as the vast majority of them were in the same category. They were extremely strict. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. So this happens three times. He has this vision three times. She comes down... All these animals and stuff, get up and kill and eat. Remember, he's hungry. And he says, no, I, I've never done this. And then uh, immediately after this happened three times, the sheet was taken back into heaven. Now, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, and we see in, in just a second here that he starts to get it. He starts to get that God is trying to tell him, don't call people unclean. Because in the Jewish culture, anybody who was not Jewish was unclean. They didn't really have anything to do with them. Uh, and, and in fact, to this very day, you get very strict Hasidic Jews and stuff. They really don't interact with anybody else, except, you know, they'll do business and stuff like that, but they just, they really, you're not invited into their world. They don't even like you in their neighborhoods. I mean, they are very strict about who they associate with and who they do not associate with. Uh, so, um, they had nothing to do with these guys. I remember once I was in, a, in an airport in, where was I? Australia. Australia. And uh, this, because you can tell how they look and how they dress and stuff like that. So this young Jewish woman, very traditional, you know, comes running up to me and says, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark. And I said, yes. She says, my husband and I watch, or, or my uh, fiance and I watch your videos, and we absolutely love them. 
And I reach to, you know, give her a hug because, you know, that's what we do. And she just, you know, don't touch me. You're creepy. So uh, they, they can't, I mean, they just, uh, they just don't touch other people that are not part of this. And uh, she said how much they appreciated it. She was actually on her way to uh, England to ma- get married to this guy who was a rabbi. So the rabbi dug my stuff. So anyway, um, so anyway, so Peter's wondering about the vision. Now he starts to get it. He knows this isn't really about eating critters. He starts to understand that he shouldn't reject people that he thinks are unclean. Okay, so he's thinking about this. So meanwhile, the men sent by Cornelius found to where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out, asking him if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there because the angel had given us information. Well, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit of God says to him, Simon, three guys are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now, why would he have to tell them not to hesitate? Because they wouldn't have anything to do. But again, it's hard for us to comprehend. You know, they just had nothing to do with people that were not Jewish. And he says, don't hesitate to go with them. So, um, Peter went down and said to the man, I- I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. Okay, Romans, and again, they hated the Romans, right? I mean, so this guy's got two strikes against him. He's a Gentile, and he's a Roman centurion. But he's a righteous guy. He's a God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. So this is where we get the idea that this guy uh, was very respected. He was a good guy, even though he's a Roman centurion, which most of them couldn't stand the Romans. Uh, But he prayed to to the God of Israel and did good things. uh, So they, they liked him. And a holy angel told him, uh, to ask you to come to his house so they can hear what you have to say. Well, then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests, which is quite a stretch right there. They just didn't do this. But he had just had this vision, and he's getting the idea, okay, apparently God thinks everybody's okay. And this is ra- really radical for them. So um, da, 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 the next day they started out, he invites them in the house, spend the night there, and I'm sure all the Jewish brothers are all creeped out. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. An angel. You know, we heard these, this vision and stuff. The next day, Peter starts out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. And when it says believers from Joppa, they're talking Jewish men. Went along with them probably to find out what in the world is going on. Well, the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. That, for a lot of people, is a small group. Apparently, this is a huge group of people that gathered. Apparently, he had a lot of relatives and close friends, probably because of his power. Uh, As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. And and, uh, Peter said, get up. I'm only a man myself. Which you could go off on a a tangent here, and I will not. But uh, this way, as Christians, we're not supposed to be praying to anybody but God. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus, why you would spend time, why people spend time praying to holy men or whatever they think uh, else is out there is really not to be done. We are to pray to God. And if you can pray directly to God, why would you pray to anybody else? So Peter says, no, no, get up. Don't pray to me. I'm, I'm just a man. So while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Apparently <laughs> he had a lot of relatives and friends. And Peter went outside, he finds a large gathering of people, and he says to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate, 
associate with or visit a Gentile. In other words, he says, you know, I really shouldn't be here with you people. This would be highly insulting, would it not? You know, I shouldn't be all kind of creepy crawly. Uh, you know, people complain today about racism and stuff. And I know that there's some, there are some problems in our, our world today. It's not nearly what it was by a long shot. Uh, but back then, racism, uh, nationalism was off the charts. Uh, people just didn't mingle with each other much. And it was that way in our country for a really long time. I think I read to you guys from, it was the last year, from, a, uh, from the Packer NFL you know, thing about all the different players like they have today. But back then, they also told you what nationality they were, where they came from. You know, so-and-so, linebacker, Polish. So-and-so, you know, wide receiver, you know, uh, Jewish or whatever. I mean, there would be riots in the street if they did that today. But that's what they did. This was just commonplace. We've come a long way, baby. And people are very quick to yell racism today. Usually just when they disagree with you, they call you racist. Which is absurd, you know. But that's the standard, right? Insult those with whom you disagree. So anyway, but th we're talking serious. They were really into it at this time in the world. And he basically walks in and says, you know, I shouldn't be here with you people. <laughs> well, thanks. But God has shown me I should not call anyone impure or unclean. See, this is where we get the idea that, that he, we got, get the idea that he was getting it. This wasn't about critters eating, critters, critters and stuff. This was about people. God has shown me I shouldn't call anybody clean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection, which he thought would really made him holy because I really shouldn't be here with you creepy people. Uh, and then he says, so uh, what do you want? So he's not there to preach the gospel. He's not there to win souls for Jesus. He's not there to do the holy things that we would think a man of God should do. He just says, what do you guys want? And, uh, well, Cornelius answered, he said, well, three days ago, I was in my house, he'd already heard the story from the other guys, but I was in my house praying at this hour, three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers, remembered your gifts to the poor, send to Joppa for Simon, who's called, yeah, they repeat these things over and over again, he's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea, so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now, we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Well, the Lord hadn't really commanded him to tell him anything. <laughs> he just said, don't, don't have a problem and go. So Peter just starts to explain Christianity to them. He's not trying to convert them. He doesn't think they can be converted. He is just trying to explain the message that we're celebrating today. He's just explaining to them. So here's his explanation. He says, okay, well, now I realize that God doesn't show favoritism. You know, I don't know how quick it was before he realized that, but except from every nation, the one who fears him and does what's right. So he says, okay, you, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the uh, good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning at Galilee after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. So he starts out saying, you guys know what's been going on. All right, this was so common. I don't think we have a clue at how common this was. Everybody around there, as far as you can see, all knew about Jesus and what he was doing. So they, you know, they thought, well, 
One time Jesus said, who do people think I am? He asked his, his disciples, who does everybody think? Uh, something, your prophet, this and that. Because they, they didn't really know. And people weren't really sure. So anyway, uh, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of Jews, uh, of the Jews in, in Jerusalem. Well, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses to whom God has chosen by us who ate and drank. Well, that was, he says, we saw him literally after he had been dead, after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people, the Jewish people in his mind, to testify that he's the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets, all the Old Testament that, that, that we still have, all of this testify about him. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, which is what we still celebrate to this day. The forgiveness of sins through Jesus' name. He's just telling them what it is that he does. Well, while Peter was still speaking, these people had the audacity to have faith and convert on the spot. Uh, because he wasn't asking them to convert. So he says, while he's speaking, the Holy Spirit comes on all these people who hear the message. And the circumcised believers, remember these are Jewish men, who had come with Peter, were astonished. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How do they know this? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So here he is just explaining to these people he shouldn't even be there with what he does for a living. And all of a sudden, they just start worshiping God and they start speaking in tongues. And all these guys are not going, praise the Lord. They're going, holy cow. How is this even happening? This is bizarre. This is, and then Peter says, uh, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. And he does. Now, this is when it starts. Christianity now starts exploding on the scene all throughout the known world at that time and still spreads to this very day. The very simple message, what? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came into this earth, did amazing things. He died on the cross for our sins, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the, of the world. And on that third day, he was raised from the dead. And this message is being preached today all over the world. There's a lot of things that Christians argue and debate over. You know, you got different denominations, Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, Pentecost, all that, you know. But if there's one message universally that is preached on this day and what all Christians believe, Jesus came into the world. He died for our sins, and he is alive today. This is the message, yes. And there's the Pentecostals going crazy. <laughs> Some of you guys were real loud this morning. Deanna said, you're the one who came up with Convergent Church idea. You know, <laughs> which, for those of you who don't know, our church, we blend charismatic, liturgical, and evangelical all together. That's what they call it. They all converge together. We take a little bit of everything. So you're going to hear and see a little bit of everything here this morning. So anyway, so this is the message that we celebrate. And we're so excited that we can continue to do this. And here's the amazing thing. A lot of times we think we have to really know everything about God and have to try and convince people. The truth of the matter is that simple message in and of him itself is what can change people's lives. We simply celebrate the fact that Jesus came, he died on that cross, and he was raised again from the dead. And everybody who believes this can be transformed, be born again, is a phrase that is used, and start to experience God in their lives. And that's what we celebrate on this blessed day. So now we're going to uh, have our time of communion. 
And this is where we're going to reflect on that day that Jesus died on that cross. His body broken for us, his blood was shed so we could experience forgiveness of sins and celebrate this morning. So uh, those of you at home, you want to get some uh, bread and wine together, whatever you're going to use for communion. Those of you here, if you're new to this, we use this little thing because the pandemic stuff, nobody wants to touch anything. Uh, but it's in, there's two little thin layers. One little thin layer of cellophane gets you to the bread and the next layer gets you to the, to the wine or, well, juice. Wine would taste terrible in that plastic for a long time. So, uh, so that's what we'll be doing, all right? So, um, so uh, at this time, we'll dismiss our campuses so they can have their own time of communion. The rest of you guys at home can get your stuff together, and we'll be ready. The musicians will play for a bit, and then we'll come back together and uh, take communion together. But before we do that, sorry, 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 sorry. Let's bow our heads and pray. We always take this time to just set things right in our hearts before God. Let me pray for you. Father, I ask you right now before we take communion together that we stop and reflect on our hearts. Lord, if we've sinned in any way against you over this past week, we ask that you would forgive us, cleanse us of our sins, help us to make things right. We thank you that Jesus died for our sins and that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we'll simply admit our sins to you. And maybe this you're here this morning or watching online and you've never asked Jesus in your heart. Maybe this is all new uh, to you. Um, you can experience that right now. You can do what these people did 2,000 years ago, which simply believe the message. All you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And you can start your first steps of faith today. Amen. Okay.